Section 24 of German Off by Emile Zola, translated by Havelock Ellis. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Matt Perard. Part 5, Chapter 1. At four o'clock, the moon had set, and the night was very dark. Everything was still asleep at Denolens. The old brick house stood mute and gloomy, with closed doors and windows. At the end of the large, ill-kept garden which separated it from the Jean Bart mine, the other frontage faced the deserted road to Vandamme, a large country town about three kilometers off, hidden behind the forest. Denolin, tired after a day spent in park below, was snoring with his face toward the wall when he dreamt that he had been called. At last he awoke and, really hearing a voice, got out and opened the window. One of his captains was in the garden. "'What is it, then?' he asked. "'There's a rebellion, sir. Half the men will not work, and are preventing the others from going down.' He scarcely understood, with head heavy and dazed with sleep, and the great cold struck him like an icy douche. "'Then make them go down, by George,' he stammered. "'It's been going on an hour,' said the captain. "'Then we thought it best to come for you. Perhaps you will be able to persuade them.' very good i'll go he quickly dressed himself his mind quite clear now and very anxious the house might have been pillaged neither the cook nor the manservant had stirred but from the other side of the staircase alarmed voices were whispering and when he came out he saw his daughter's door open and they both appeared in white dressing gowns slipped on in haste father what is it lucy the elder was already twenty-two a tall dark girl with a haughty air while Jean, the younger, as yet scarcely nineteen years old, was small, with golden hair and a certain caressing grace. Nothing serious, he replied, to reassure them. It seems that some blusterers are making a disturbance down there. I am going to see. But they exclaimed that they would not let him go before he had taken something warm. If not, he would come back ill, with his stomach out of order, as he always did. He struggled gave his word of honor that he was too much in a hurry listen said jean at last hanging to his neck you must drink a little glass of rum and eat two biscuits or i shall remain like this and you'll have to take me with you he resigned himself declaring that the biscuits would choke him they had already gone down before him each with her candlestick in the dining-room below they hastened to serve him one pouring out the rum the other running to the pantry for the biscuits having lost their mother when very young they had been rather badly brought up alone spoiled by their father the elder haunted by the dream of singing on the stage the younger mad over painting in which she showed a singular boldness of taste but when they had to retrench after the embarrassment in their affairs these apparently extravagant girls had suddenly developed into very sensible and shrewd managers with an eye for errors of centimes in accounts to-day with their boyish and artistic demeanour they kept the purse were careful over suit and haggled with the tradesmen renovated their dresses unceasingly and in fact succeeded in rendering decent the growing embarrassment of the house eat papa repeated lucy then remarking his silent gloomy preoccupation she was again frightened is it serious then that you look at us like this tell us 
we will stay with you and they can do without us at that lunch she was speaking of a party which had been planned for the morning madame hennebeau was to go in her carriage first for cecile at the grégoires then to call for them so that they could all go to marchiennes to lunch at the forges where the manager's wife had invited them it was an opportunity to visit the workshops the blast furnaces and the coke ovens we will certainly remain declared jeanne in her turn but he grew angry a fine idea i tell you that it is nothing just be so good as to get back into your beds again and dress yourselves for nine o'clock as was arranged he kissed them and hastened to leave they heard the noise of his boots vanishing over the frozen earth in the garden jeanne carefully placed the stopper in the rum bottle while lucy locked up the biscuits the room had the cold neatness of dining-rooms where the table is but meagerly supplied and both of them took advantage of this early descent to see if anything had been left uncared for the evening before a serviette lay about the servant should be scolded at last they were upstairs again while he was taking the shortest cut through the narrow pass of his kitchen garden Dalin was thinking of his compromised fortune this monsieur denier this million which he had realized dreaming to multiply it tenfold and which was to-day running such great risks it was an uninterrupted course of ill-luck enormous and unforeseen repairs ruinous conditions of exploitation then the disaster of this industrial crisis just when the profits were beginning to come in if the strike broke out here he would be overthrown he pushed a little door the buildings of the pit could be divined in the black night by the deepening of the shadow starred by a few lanterns jean bart was not so important as the baroque but its renewed installation made it a pretty pit as the engineers say they had not been contented by enlarging the shaft one metre and a half and deepening it to seven hundred and eight metres they had equipped it afresh with a new engine new cages entirely new material all set up according to the latest scientific improvements and even a certain seeking for elegance was visible in the constructions a screening shed with carved frieze a steeple adorned with a clock a receiving room and an engine room both rounded into an apse like a renaissance chapel and surmounted by a chimney with a mosaic spiral made of black bricks and red bricks the pump was placed on the other shaft of the concession the old gaston marie pit reserved solely for this purpose jean bart to right and left of the winding shaft only had two conduits that for the steam ventilator and that for the ladders in the morning ever since three o'clock chaval who had arrived first had been seducing his comrades convincing them that they ought to imitate those of Monceau and demand an increase of five centimes a tram. Soon, four hundred workmen had passed from the shed into the receiving room in the midst of a tumult of gesticulation and shouting. Those who wished to work stood with their lamps, barefooted, with shovel or pick beneath their arms, while the others, still in their sabots, with their overcoats on their shoulders because of the great cold, were barring the shaft and the captains were growing hoarse in the effort to restore order begging them to be reasonable and not to prevent those who wanted from going down but cheval was furious when he saw catherine in her trousers and jacket her head tied up in a blue cap 
on getting up he had roughly told her to stay in bed in despair at this arrest of work she had followed him all the same for he never gave her any money she often had to pay both for herself and him and what was to become of her if she earned nothing she was overcome by fear the fear of a brothel at marchand's which was the end of putter girls without bread and without lodging by god cried chaval what the devil have you come here for she stammered that she had no income to live on and that she wanted to work then you put yourself against me wench back you go at once or i'll go back with you and kick my sabots into your backside she recoiled timidly but she did not leave resolved to see how things would turn out Denolin had arrived by the screening stairs in spite of the weak light of the lanterns with a quick look he took in the scene with this rabble wrapped in shadow he knew every face the pikemen the porters the landers the putters even the trammers in the nave still new and clean the arrested task was waiting the steam in the engine under pressure made slight whistling sounds the cages were hanging motionless to the cables the trams abandoned on the way were encumbering the metal floors scarcely eighty lamps had been taken the others were flaming in the lamp cabin but no doubt a word from him would suffice and the whole life of labor would begin again well what's going on then my lads he asked in a loud voice what are you angry about just explain to me and we will see if we can agree he usually behaved in a paternal way towards his men while at the same time demanding hard work with an authoritative rough manner he had tried to conquer them by a good nature which had its outbursts of passion and he often gained their love the men especially respected in him his courage always in the cuttings with them the first in danger whenever an accident terrified the pit twice after fire-damp explosions he had been let down fastened by a rope under his armpits when the bravest drew back now he began again you are not going to make me repent of having trusted you you know that i have refused police protection talk quietly and i will hear you all were now silent and awkward moving away from him and it was chaval who at last said well monsieur Danalin, we can't go on working we must have five centimes more the tram he seemed surprised what five centimes and why this demand i don't complain about your timbering i don't want to impose a new tariff on you like the monceau directors maybe but the monceau mates are right all the same they won't have the tariff and they want a rise of five centimes because it is not possible to work properly at the present rates we want five centimes more don't we you others voices approved and the noise began again in the midst of violent gesticulation gradually they grew near forming a small circle a flame came into denolin's eyes and his fist that of a man who liked strong government was clenched for fear of yielding to the temptation of seizing one of them by the neck he preferred to discuss on the basis of reason you want five centimes and i agree that the work is worth it only i can't give it if i gave it i should simply be done for you must understand that i have to live first in order for you to live and i've got to the end the least rise in net prices will upset me two years ago you remember at the time of the last strike i yielded i was able to then but that rise of wages was not the less ruinous 
for these two years have been a struggle today i would rather let the whole thing go than not be able to tell next month where to get the money to pay you chaval laughed roughly in the face of this master who told them his affairs so frankly the others lowered their faces obstinate and incredulous refusing to take into their heads the idea that a master did not gain millions out of his men then Denelin, persisting explained his struggle with monceau always on the watch and ready to devour him if some day he had the stupidity to come to grief it was a savage competition which forced him to economize the more so since the great depth of john bart increased the price of extraction an unfavorable condition hardly compensated by the great thickness of the coal beds he would never have raised wages after the last strike if it had not been necessary for him to imitate monceau for fear of seeing his men leave him and he threatened them with the morrow a fine result it would be for them if they obliged him to sell to pass beneath the terrible yoke of the directors he did not sit on the throne far away in an unknown sanctuary he was not one of those shareholders who pay agents to skin the miner who has never seen them he was a master he risked something besides his money he risked his intelligence his health his life stoppage of work would simply mean death for he had no stock and he must fulfil orders besides his standing capital could not sleep how could he keep his engagements who would pay the interest on the sums his friends had confided to him it would mean bankruptcy that's where we are my good fellows he said in conclusion i want to convince you we don't ask a man to cut his own throat do we and if i give you your five centimes or if i let you go out on strike it's the same as if i cut my throat he was silent grunts went round a party among the miners seemed to hesitate several went back towards the shaft at least said a captain let every one be free who are those who want to work catherine had advanced among the first but chaval fiercely pushed her back shouting we are all agreed it's only bloody rogues who'll leave their mates after that conciliation appeared impossible the cries began again and men were hustled away from the shaft at the risk of being crushed against the walls for a moment the manager in despair tried to struggle alone to reduce the crowd by violence but it was useless madness and he retired for a few minutes he rested out of breath on a chair in the receiver's office so overcome by his powerlessness that no ideas came to him at last he grew calm and told an inspector to go and bring cheval then when the latter had agreed to the interview he motioned the others away leave us Denelin's idea was to see what this fellow was after at the first words he felt that he was vain and was devoured by passionate jealousy then he attacked him by flattery affecting surprise that a workman of his merit should so compromise his future it seemed as though he had long had his eyes on him for rapid advancement and he ended by squarely offering to make him captain later on chaval listened in silence with his fists at first clenched but then gradually unbent something was working in the depths of his skull if he persisted in the strike he would be nothing more than etienne's lieutenant while now another ambition opened that of passing into the ranks of the bosses 
the heat of pride rose to his face and intoxicated him besides the band of strikers whom he had expected since the morning had not arrived some obstacle must have stopped them perhaps the police it was time to submit but all the time he shook his head he acted the incorruptible man striking his breast indignantly then without mentioning to the master the rendezvous he had given to the montsou men he promised to call his mates and to persuade them to go down deneulin remained hidden and the captains themselves stood aside for an hour they heard chaval orating and discussing standing on a tram in the receiving-room some of the men hooted him a hundred and twenty went off exasperated persisting in the resolution which he had made them take it was already past seven the sun was rising brilliantly it was a bright day of hard frost and all at once movement began in the pit and the arrested labor went on first the crank of the engine plunged rolling and unrolling the cables on the drums then in the midst of the tumult of the signals the descent took place the cages filled and were engulfed and rose again the shaft swallowing its ration of trammers and putters and pikemen while on the metal floors the landers pushed the trams with a sound of thunder by god what the devil are you doing there cried chaval to catherine who was awaiting her turn will you just go down and not laze about at nine o'clock when madame hennebeau arrived in her carriage with cecile she found lucy and jeanne quite ready and very elegant in spite of their dresses having been renovated for the twentieth time but deneulin was surprised to see negrel accompanying the carriage on horseback what were the men also in the party then madame hennebeau explained in her maternal way that they had frightened her by saying that the streets were full of evil faces and so she preferred to bring a defender Negrel laughed and reassured them nothing to cause anxiety threats of robbers as usual but not one of them would dare to throw a stone at a window-pane still pleased with his success deneulin related the checked rebellion at jean bart he said that he was now quite at rest and on the vandame road while the young ladies got into the carriage all congratulated themselves on the superb day oblivious of the long swelling shudder of the marching people afar off in the country though they might have heard the sound of it if they had pressed their ears against the earth well it is agreed replied madame hennebeau this evening you will call for the ladies and dine with us madame grégoire has also promised to come for cecile you may reckon on me replied deneulin the carriage went off towards madame jeanne and lucy leaning down to laugh once more to their father who was standing by the roadside while negrel gallantly trotted behind the fleeing wheels they crossed the forest taking the road from vandame to marchiennes as they approached tartaret jeanne asked madame hennebeau if she knew Colbert, and the latter in spite of her stay of five years in the country acknowledged that she had never been on that side then they made a detour Tartaret, on the outskirts of the forest was an uncultivated moor of volcanic sterility under which for ages a coal mine had been burning its history was lost in legend the miners of the place said that fire from heaven had fallen on the sodom in the bowels of the earth where the putter girls had committed abominations together so that 
they had not even had the time to come to the surface and today were still burning at the bottom of this hell the calcined rocks of a sombre red were covered by an efflorescence of alum as by a leprosy sulphur grew like a yellow flower at the edge of the fissures at night those who were brave enough to venture to look into these holes declared that they saw flames there sinful souls shriveling in the furnace within wandering lights moved over the soil and hot vapors the poisons from the devil's ordure and his dirty kitchen were constantly smoking and like a miracle of eternal spring in the midst of this accursed moor of tartaret Cote Verte appeared with its meadows forever green its beaches with leaves unceasingly renewed its fields where three harvests ripened it was a natural hothouse warmed by the fire in the deep strata beneath the snow never lay on it the enormous bouquet of verdure beside the leafless forest trees blossomed on this december day and the frost had not even scorched the edge of it soon the carriage was passing over the plain negrel joked over the legend and explained that a fire often occurred at the bottom of a mine from the fermentation of the coal dust if not mastered it would burn on for ever and he mentioned a belgian pit which had been flooded by diverting a river and running it into the pit but he became silent for the last few minutes groups of miners had been constantly passing the carriage they went by in silence with sidelong looks at the luxurious equipage which forced them to stand aside their number went on increasing the horses were obliged to cross the little bridge over the scarp at walking pace what was going on then to bring all these people into the roads the young ladies became frightened and negrel began to smell out some fray in the excited country it was a relief when they at last arrived at marchand's the batteries of coke ovens and the chimneys of the blast furnaces beneath the sun which seemed to extinguish them were belching out smoke and raining their everlasting soot through the air End of section twenty four